you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin Addison's here on American Family Radio. You're listening to Wednesdays with Will. I haven't been here, I feel like, live doing a Wednesday show in a couple weeks. We've been traveling. Uh, man, the Lord's been blessing our time. We, we were in Paris, Tennessee a couple weeks back. And then last week we're, we were in uh, Dallas, Texas, around the Allen, Texas uh, area for a homeschooling conference. And uh, we have some more uh, travels up ahead, and so, but I'm I'm glad to be back, uh, to be able to talk to you guys and and just to share what the Lord has been placing upon my heart. I I was thinking about this this morning. It's an honor to be able to sit behind this microphone, and to to share the Word of God, to share what God has uh, laid upon our hearts, to share biblical truth, uh, to look at the stories and different things, and make the connections of why these things should matter to us as believers. I don't count that as a small thing, and I'm thankful for those who listen. Uh, Man, it's just a blessing to be able to be a part of the body of Christ, and it's also a blessing to be able to encourage the body of Christ. You know, I have a strong and growing love for the body of Christ. Uh, This is the family. You know, when this world is trying to, and this culture is trying to put us in categories, say that you need to be with this person or that person, you, you know, you look like this, so you need to be here and there, and man, that not so in the body of Christ, not so in the body of Christ, and I'm so thankful for that, because we can, I can go to another country right now where my language is not spoken, and I can find a Christian there, someone who is a believer, and we are literally brothers or sisters, literally. And so, man, the, the, the family of God is large, is big, you know. And I know that there are people who mention the name of Jesus and they say that they are followers of Christ who are really not. But there are there's a remnant. There's a lot of people across the world. Sometimes we get stuck in our area, right, in America, just looking at America. But, man, the family of God is worldwide. Praise God. Praise God. And so it's an honor to be a part of the of the body of Christ. There's no organization, no, you know, secret society or anything like that that's like being a part of the body of Christ. Where we have been uh, uh, redeemed, we have been saved. Jesus Christ has uh, taken us out of um, just the, the pit. You know, we were all going to hell, you know, under the wrath of God. But praise God for opening up our eyes and our hearts to accept him. Uh, so I'm, I'm just thankful. And I'm thankful every time I get a chance to, to sit here and to talk to you guys. We're going to uh, have a discussion to get today about sin. Now, sin is something that is not always talked about. When I was coming up, there was a lot more talk about sin in the church. Um, but we're going to talk about that. But before I get to that, there's a couple of announcements 
You can still register for the Marriage Family Life Conference uh, 2023. Go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and make sure you register because the time uh, for us to close things down, registration down, is coming is coming soon. And so just want to put that out there. As a matter of fact, uh, you, you have like maybe a week or so left. And so I, after I confer with a couple people, I'm, I'm going to see if I can give the exact date of when we're shutting it down. I, I want to make sure I have the go ahead to do that because it's coming up real soon. And so Marriage Family Life Conference 2023, uh, make sure you register. Uh, we also have another event uh, at the Ark Encounter called AFA at the Ark. That will be happening October 26th and 27th. And if you're interested in that or any of these events, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net and go to the events page, and you'll see both events there, and you can click on and get more information about it. But join us uh, in Williamstown, Kentucky, October 26th and 27th, uh, to go to the Ark Encounter. And also we're going to have times of fellowship, uh, devotional times, uh, times of worship. We're going to pack, pack it into those couple of days it's gonna be it's gonna be great, and so if you're able to come, uh, please do just go to the site, uh, marriagefamilylife.net, and you can click on the events tab, and you'll see the information there. Uh, also, with our travels, um, you know, if you want to check out some of the things that go on behind the scenes, we have a, a YouTube channel that we do with the family called Whatever You Do. So if you search Whatever You Do uh, underscore eight. You can find our channel. You can kind of see the recap from the Paris, Tennessee trip. And we have some other things coming. Uh, we're going to have a recap from um, the Texas trip. It was a, a pleasure to meet Dr. Ben Carson. And, uh, yeah, man, he was, a, he was a genuine guy. He took time to talk with us. And it was, it was, a, it was a great encouragement. I was, I was uh, happy to be able to meet with him and talk with him. Um, praise God for men like that. But uh, if you want to check out and, and subscribe to that channel, just go ahead and do that. And you can see some of the things that we do behind the scenes. We do Bible challenges, different things. It's just fun. And my daughter, Mariah, I have to give her props. She edits all these videos. She, she's doing a great job. It's a, it's a gifting that God has given us. She's very creative. And so she, uh, she edits the videos, and I think they're great. All right, let's get into it. So we're going to talk about the severity of sin. The severity of sin. You know, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, it says, If you do well, when, when uh, God was speaking uh, to Cain, uh, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at the door. Now, I think we can all... Uh, understand what said that because we've been tempted and that, that sin is even in our lives. It's crouching at the door that it's, it's wanting to grab hold of us. But man, the Bible says, God says it's desire is contrary to you, but you must master. You must rule over it. So sin, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark, right? Uh, the mark being the standard of perfection established by God. So it's missing the mark of, of, of God. And sin had uh, to be addressed from the very beginning. Remember in the garden, it had to be addressed in the very beginning and still has to be addressed today in the life of the believer. 
You know, it's amazing how we have some of our um, pastors or leaders that do not want to touch certain topics, do not want to speak out against sin. Now, some of that is because maybe they are embroiled in sin themselves, so they don't feel the confidence to be able to speak about it. But sometimes it's just as simple as they don't want to offend someone. Man, and what a disservice that's being done when we don't preach the full counsel of God, that sin is egregious, it's severe, right? There's a seriousness to understanding what sin does to our relationship with God. If, if sin, in fact, is so severe, if sin separates us from God, why don't we hear more messages on the effects of sin, how to overcome sin, and how to be free from different things that try to trip us up that are sinful. So in the garden, the rebellion against God's command was so egregious that it set the spiraling down of humanity. Think about what happened when uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, when he sinned against God. It was the spiraling down of humanity. Sin has an effect, not only on you, but it has an effect on others many times. So think about it. Adam and Eve, they tried to insufficiently hide their sin by sewing fig leaves together to cover them in their sin. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says, uh, The Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and cloth and clothed them. The Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So sin is so egregious that God had to take one of the things he created, one of the things, one of his creation that he said and beheld that it was good, one of the animals to cover his prized creations, sin. He had to take from an animal that he said was good. He made all the animals, the creeping things, he said they were good, but he had to take from one of them their lives to cover human, the man, and his sin. And just a little side note to this. This right here tells you a bit about the priority of man above animals and that today because of the fall, because of the rebellion and sin, that we have people who cherish uh, the lives of their pets yet disregard human life. That's as a result of, of sin. But God shows the importance of man, and that he uses the animal to cover uh, what man did in his sin. And so today, it's a shame that we have so many people that would prize their pet. Now, I'm not against pets. I'm not. You, we, we, the Bible tells us about treating them uh, uh, humanely well, treating them well. I won't say humanely, treating them well, you know. Um, but at the same time, there's a difference. There's a distinction. Okay, that's just a side note. But I'm afraid today, because of the dulling down of the severity of sin, because of the lack of holiness emphasized in the life of the believer, that we are uh, discipling a host of people into a watered-down, powerless life. Where there is no understanding on the severity of sin, there is no um, overcoming life in the believer. You cannot overcome if you think sin is just, oh, I just messed up. Oop, I made a mistake. 
No, it's much more egregious than that. It's much more egregious. We have to see sin how God sees it. Because if we have this flippant view of sin, then we can't live an overcoming life because we will give ourselves, you know, a pass. We'll say, oh, it's not that bad. No, but it is. So you cannot ha- uh, have sufficient power to overcome in your life if you do not have the proper perspective on the severity of sin. How can I overcome if I don't think it's that bad? Or if I'm always trying to compare what I do to some- what somebody else does? No, sin is severe, and it hampers, it breaks our relationship with the Lord. And sin has always been dealt with in a serious way by God. You know, I read through the Bible, and there's some portions of the Old Testament, man, that we come across, and we find that as pretty difficult. We're like, man, really? But the Bible says in the, in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So some of those things, well, those things that were written, all of those things that were, that were written were written for a reason that even today we can glean from the stuff in the Old Testament and we can see how they relate to what we are today. So there's no sense and trying to unhitch from the Old Testament, as Andy Stanley was trying to put out there a few years ago. No, we need the whole Bible. All of it is good, and all of it applies for us today. We can, all, we can, we can uh, read it all and, and glean something from it all. And so we're going to talk about the severity of sin, how God dealt with sin in the Old Testament, and I'm going to uh, highlight a, a few instances and show that, man, this was serious, that God took this seriously. And because God takes it seriously, we as believers want to take seriously what God takes seriously, right? We, we want to make sure we're on the same plane with God. We want to, the same mindset, understanding what he hates and that we would hate it also. But as it's been, there's been a dulling down. There's been a, a, a watering down of, of God's standard. And we have to look at ourselves personally and say, man, where am I? Do I believe that sin is severe, that it has dire consequences? This is Aaron Addison's Wednesday with Will, and I'll be back right after this. No This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. You're listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison, and we're talking about the severity of sin that is scooty wop with no weapon, no weapon. Man, so we're talking about the severity of sin, and, you know, I know on Wednesdays I'm real preachy. You know, I can't help it. That's who I am. You know, I, I remember being in elementary school, and the principal of, of, of the school, it was a, a, it was a private 
a Christian school in um, uh, in New Orleans. Um, and <laughs> I remember the principal telling me one day I was I, I must have been in because I don't know what grade I was in. I was real young, and she said, "You know what? I just feel like you're gonna be a preacher." <laughs> Uh, that's what she told me. She said, you're going to be a preacher. And I know when I get on here on Wednesdays, it's a little different from what we do the rest of the week. But I, I see this as an opportunity to really lay out uh, what the Lord is share, sharing with me. And it just comes out preaching, you know. So that's just how it is. <laughs> but we're talking about the severity of sin. Uh, and sin has always been dealt with in a serious way by God. And I want to call our attention to just a few examples uh, in Joshua chapter 7 and, and, and 8. Uh, the children of Israel were possessing the land and they had this great victory over Jericho. Jericho was a big city, fortified, you know, um, a strong city. And God overthrew Jericho. And so the children of Israel, they go in and they're moving on and they come up to a, a smaller city, not as strong called AI. And so at AI, they, they didn't really feel like they needed as much military might as they needed for Jericho. But even in, Jer- in Jericho, God won that battle. They didn't like fight, fight, you know, but they get to AI and um, there was some somebody there in the, in the group, Aiken, who took some of the things and the command was not to do so. And so, but he did and tried to hide it in his tent. And they go to AI and they lose. And so, you know, they all like, Joshua is like, man, man, what's going on? How are we losing in AI? Like, this is a small, like, what's going on? But there was sin in the camp. There was sin in the camp. And you guys, if, if you read it before, you know the story, you know what happened. You know, God uh, uh, pinpoints. He caused them to pinpoint the family and the tribe and every, everybody else to the person who, who, who sinned. And this person was executed. He was stoned and, and everything he had was burned. Now you might say, man, ah, wow, that's a, that's a real rough way to deal. But sin is egregious. And so, of course, today, this is not what we do, you know, but it's still, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's egregious still today, even though, you know, we're not out stoning people and, and, and that. But you're talking about impairing your relationship with God, with a holy God causing a, 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 a distance between you and a holy God and the ramifications of what happened because of sin is still egregious today. And so that's one example, you know, the children of Israel at AI. They lost this battle. They lost some men, you know, because of this sin. In the same way, you know, that's something that we lose when we sin and practice sin, you know. And it has to only can be repaired by repentance. And thank, thank God for his grace and his mercy that is shown towards us because of Jesus Christ that we can repent. But we're, we are looking at Old Testament times, but it's still egregious today. Another example in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Chapter 21, uh, verse 18 through 21. Right. And this is what it says. Now, now listen to this. It seems really harsh. But sin is egregious, and it's not any less egregious today. The Bible says, if any man has a stubborn or rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, 
And when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gateway of his hometown. And they shall say to the elders of, the, of his city, the son, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it and fear. See, okay. So today we're not taking our children out to the gates of the city and stoning them. But what's happening because of rebellious children today? They're being killed. They're being put into prison. So that's still a punishment for rebellion. Even in the fifth commandment, it is still in the Old Testament. It talks about honoring father and mother that your days may be long, that your days may be long. So what we're seeing in our society is the cutting down of days for young people because of rebellion. Sin still uh, has a consequence. I think that's a big reason why a lot of our young people are dying, because of rebellion, because of not honoring mother and father. And so you feel like, I can do whatever I want. I can go out and, and commit crimes and, and, and just act, act out how I, however I feel. But man, there's a consequence for sin. If there's a young person listening to me and you are routinely disobeying and rebelling against your parents, what you are doing, you're setting yourself up for a short life. That's the Bible. You're setting yourself up for a short life. A short life. When we watch the news and we see these kids in Chicago and these other areas that are going downtown and breaking into buildings and, you know, assaulting people, uh, uh, teen terror and all this kind of stuff. That's acts of rebellion. And you're setting yourself up for a short life. And parents, we have to parent. We have to not be afraid to uh, 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 discipline our children. Because if we don't discipline them, they will be disciplined somewhere. They'll end up in jail. But God forbid, the, the, the grave. The word of God will not be mocked. This is what's happening. And so you see in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 through 20, uh, 21, how severe sin was. Because at the end, it says, uh, it talks about the men of the city to, take st uh, to stone him to death. But why? And it says, so you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it. So this is to stop this from happening. So when God gives us the command to discipline our children, we should do it. When the Bible talks about that the rod should not be spared, we should not be sparing it. Not because we desire to hurt our children, but we're trying to save them. We're trying to drive rebellion far from them. And it still remains today. I don't care what society comes up with. I remember a time where it was like, you just put them in time out. <laughs> put them in time out. Man, my daddy never put me in time out. That wasn't a thing. You know? But I'm a better man today because of what my dad and my mom did. I look back and I'm thankful. Let me move on. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 6 through 11. Now, this is another hard one. Another hard one. It says, if your brother 
your mother's son or or your your son or daughter. So these these are family members. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods whom neither you nor your fathers have known of the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end, you shall not yield to him or listen to him. And your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him. But you shall surely kill him. Now, listen. As we read this, you know, it might be like, man, what? I'm just reading the Bible. And I want to make a point. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death. And afterwards, the hand of all the people. So you shall stone him to death because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord, your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. Okay, so once again, you have this stiff, harsh punishment, but there's a reason for it. It's to drive the evil far, far away that this will not happen again. And, you know, we're not out here stoning our friends, our brothers, our mothers, and, and things like that. You know, we are living under a time of grace, but sin still has to be dealt with. That's the point I'm making. It's egregious then, and it's egregious today. Because even if we look in the New Testament, what we see here in Deuteronomy is also is a, in the New Testament, we have an example of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, five, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist, even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have been arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed will be removed from your midst. See, it's the same principle. If somebody is, is causing you to to be uh, to to go away from God and His standards and to you know uh, be an accomplice to sin, you are not supposed to go with them. Just like in Deuteronomy, where it says, if if a friend, a brother, a mother, your wife, you know, a friend that's like your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, "Let us go and serve other gods," you see, saying uh, this person's pronouns, this is what I want to be called by. That's really bowing down to another God, (laughs) you know, affirming homosexuality, affirming any sin. You're moving away from the standard of God. And so in 1 Corinthians, it was some man who was with his father's wife. And so what what had to be done? We said that person should have been removed. Now, in the Old Testament, it said they'd be stoned so that the evil will be removed. But in the New Testament, what does it say? That we're supposed to remove that person from the midst. And it's verse 3. For I, on, for I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him 
who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Then he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven, leaven was compared to sin. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter, do not associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. And so you have the removing of this evil from the midst, even as you had it in Deuteronomy. So sin has to be dealt with. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So if we practice church discipline, man, we would have a lot, we would have cleaner churches, <laughs> quite honestly. But a lot of times we don't practice church discipline because of fear. We don't practice church discipline because maybe we're embroiled in the same sins. But man, because of that, we have a lot of chaos that's happening in our churches. So just as in Deuteronomy, sin was severe and it required that things were done the same today. Sin is severe and it requires a response. It requires repentance. Thank the Lord for Jesus Christ who died for our sins, that we can have eternal life, that we can repent for our sins when uh, we may fall into sin or, or, or mess up that God is able and he will forgive our sins. But it has to be dealt with. Lastly, I want to um, refer to Moses. He couldn't enter the promised land because of sin, because he disobeyed God. Disobeying God is sin. And so, you know how it went. He, God told him to go ahead and, and um, speak to the rock. This was the second time. And Moses hit the rock. He struck it twice because of his anger. And he didn't obey God and his instruction of what to do. And because of that, there was a consequence. Because of that sin, he could not enter into the promised land. Again, what I'm saying is that sin is egregious and it has to be dealt with. There's no reason why we as believers and as pastors should not be talking about the severity of sin. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and I'll be back right after this.
woke up crazy. Chappelle didn't want to wear a dress when he left. He was crazy. Yeah, he was in the bed with their celebrities calling himself Jesus. But when he met Jesus, crazy. Trump was they buddy. They all got money. Before he ran for president, these same folks loved him. I wonder what changed, though. Is it because he racist and wouldn't light the White House up like a rainbow? You don't find it funny that the same Grammys and Oscars we call racist claim to hate him because of that? A whole industry that promotes evil consistently? Now they hate evil and shame people who disagree? Some of that he bring on himself, and so do Ye, though. You can't meet with him, agree with him, or say his name, no. We'll call you a coon, Uncle Tom, and say you ain't black. You wonder why Joe Biden feel comfortable enough to say that? Isn't that the same way you used to manipulate cats, calling you homophobic when you don't agree with they plans? Black folks running the same plays the gays ran, cause black lives didn't matter till we shook they hand. Then it was first gay NFL player black, then it was first gay NBA player black, then they had a wedding at the Grammys presented by him and a black rapper, and guess who officiated that? A black woman. They used our oppression as a tool for protection and sympathy. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And we're talking about the severity of sin that is uh, bizzled with bamboozled. Bamboozled. All right, so let me go ahead and and, and uh, wrap this up, what we're talking about today, the severity of sin. If you would like to give a call, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And so sin is always accompanied by three things. Um, temptation, a choice, and death, right? So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, I read this already. Uh, if you do well, you will not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and this desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. So temptation for Cain was to get upset about uh, his rejected gift, despise his brother, and desire to kill him. That was a temptation, right? It wasn't um, carried out at that point, but he was tempted that he was rejected. His gift was rejected. So he began to despise his brother and desire to kill him. Then he got asked the question, why? Was Abel's gift uh, received and Cain's rejected? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith, Abel offered a good uh, to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he offered this, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, uh, though he died, he still speaks. The Bible also says in Romans that for for whatever uh, does not proceed from faith is sin. So it seems that Cain did not offer his gift in faith. Maybe it was shabbily done, you know, but the Bible tells us that Abel did and his was accepted. So the choice for Cain, uh, what he could have done was he could have taken the correction, right? He could have repented and presented an adequate gift to the Lord. That's not what he chose to do. 
he chose to kill his brother. Another example, Moses. The Bible says by faith, Moses, when he was uh, grown up, uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses was also tempted, as we all are tempted. We all are tempted. The temptation for Moses was to live in pleasure as the king's grandson, have an easy life, maybe, you know, ignore his heritage and live in wealth. But what choice did he make? The choice was to be mistreated with the people of God and reject the pleasures of sin. Also, we need to take note that the severity uh, of sin is strong and sin is progressive. And I, maybe a better word is regressive in nature. What do I mean by that? Well, James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. James chapter 1, 13 to 15. An example that we have of this in the Bible is David, when he sinned with Bathsheba. You know the story? David was supposed to be uh, off fighting with the other kings. You know, he was supposed to be at, at war, really. But he was kind of chilling back at home. <laughs> and he just so happened to be on his rooftop and to see a woman bathing, right? And so he told his people, go get her. I want her. And the Bible lays it out. See, the Bible is very, very real. David was a man after God's own heart, but he was not perfect. He sinned. One thing about David, though, he understood how to repent and get right with God. But if you want to read about it, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 26. But there's some uh, certain things that, that had happened to show us the progressive nature of sin. Number one, David was not where he was supposed to be. He was not where he was supposed to be. And a lot of times, that's what get us, y'all. Wrong place. Or we find ourselves somewhere we have no business. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David and Joab and his servants with, with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. So he was not where he was supposed to be. That's step one. <laughs> but then, so walking on his roof, he saw a woman bathing. All right. That, that happened next. And three, he sent and inquired about Bathsheba and uh, inform, informed that she was married to Uriah. So he had all the knowledge. He went inquire about her and he was told 
and she's married to Uriah, who is one of your most loyal men in the army. But David took her and used his position to take advantage of her. You see that progressive nature of sin? Sin is the issue and the root of all the evils we are confronted with. The progression. When, when tempted, we're lured away by our own desire. So David was lured away by his own desire. The desire within David didn't just start here. And this is something we have to point out. He didn't just start battling with lust or whatever when this happened. This, was, this had to be something that was um, a blind spot in his, in, his, in his heart. But he gave in to this temptation. And this, gave, this presented to David the opportunity for David to act upon his sinful desires in his heart. And check this out. For some of us, it's not that we are excelling at living right. It's that the opportunity, by God's grace, has not yet been presented to capitalize on our sinful desires. It's not that we're like really overcoming, but maybe we haven't had that opportunity yet. See, even that we need to lay before God. Lord, this is here in my heart. God, I pray that you would take it out. Even though I'm not acting on it, it's still sin. Help me. It's sinful thoughts. You know, it's, it's a sinful speech. Help me. David was at the wrong place at the wrong time. A side note about blind spots. We all have blind spots with all of us. With our issues that we can't see in our lives. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate a vision if we ask him to enable us to see those areas. And that's why we are living out our lives in the context of the body of Christ. Because we have a brother or sister who may see something that we can't see. I was talking to my daughter the other day about blind spots when you're driving. There's certain areas, and you guys know, where if there's a car right next to you, you can't see them. And if you get over, you're going to hit them. So you have to physically turn your head to make sure that you see if there's a car there or not. Well, God has given us our brothers and sisters that in our blind spot areas that they can point out, say, man, Will, man, seems like this is something that you're dealing with. And this is, man, this may be something that you need to lay before the Lord. Now, if we're not humble, we can't receive it. But it's there. That's why we have koinonia. That's why we have fellowship with the believers. That's why it's so important that we not only are watching, you know, via video or via television church services, but that we are actively participating in being a part of the body of Christ. Because this is what happens. There are blind spots that can be revealed. But if we keep ourselves away from that, Man, we lessen the chances of us having those blind spots revealed, and we think we're all right. And then it says that desires, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, temptation, and a choice. David could have gotten off the roof and prayed, but he inquired about the woman. He, he, he took a further look into who, who is this? He was even briefed on who she was. But his sinful desire won out. His desires gave birth to sin. David took her, another man's wife, 
and his fully grown sinful desires brought forth death. David conspired a plan to kill Uriah because he impregnated this man's wife. So he had to get rid of the problem. And the problem became Uriah, who was a loyal, faithful soldier. And this displeased the Lord. Bathsheba conceived a baby that died, and David is rebuked by God and judged for this. And God said he brought a prophet named Nathan. And he said through Nathan, now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of of this son. For you did it secretly, but I would do this thing before all Israel and before the son. There was consequences for sin. Consequences for sin. Real quick, I want to give you the good news. I don't want to leave us on that note. There's a way of escape. We do not have to give in to sin, but we should ask God to show us in that moment the exit ramp. Right? And look, you guys know it. There's a point. When you're in sin, that if you would take the way out, it's, it's presented that God pr- provides a way out. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will make us keen within a situation if we desire to be righteous. We have to remember the severity of sin, that sin separates us from God. Before I get off here, I want to make sure I take the call. Here is, um, let's see, let me go to Rick in Texas. Hi, Rick. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good, good. Hey. I just wanted to share something that's been on my heart for years now. And when I was young, I didn't have a high, I didn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. My brother come back from Vietnam when I was 10. I started smoking weed. By the time I was 13, I was shooting up dope. Mm-hmm. In a little town in Texas, and uh, God never come into my heart until I was old. Mm-hmm. I turned 50 years old in prison. Wow. Uh, God saved me in 09. Amen. And this has been in my heart for a long time now. This sin took me further than I ever wanted to go and mm. kept me longer than I ever wanted to stay. Mm. Cost me more than I ever wanted to pay. Mm. But God. But God. Man, but thank, God. thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate that call. Uh, I'm sorry to Kayla and William. I'm running out of time. Sorry I wasn't able to take your call. Uh, But, man, if anything today, I just want to encourage you, the body of Christ, those who are listening, that we have to see sin the way God sees sin. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we can confess we don't have to live in sin. And today, if that's you, Man, get before the Father, confess your sins that he will make you whole. 
This has been Aaron Addison's Wednesday with Will. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, God bless. <laughs>